This is episode 91 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. I'm Andrew. And I'm Eli. Andrew, welcome back. Happy 2021. Our listeners have been sitting there wondering, are they really, are they really going to come back? Can they manage? Are, maybe, maybe the break has just done them in, you know, the January, <laughs> February pause, but we are back. And we're better than ever. Raring to go. Yes. Welcome to 2021. Listeners, welcome back to a new year of caucus talk. This is our fourth year. This will be, I mean, it'll hit for mid mid year. Yeah. How many children combined have we had since we started this podcast? <laughs> I don't know. We've had one, two. We've had two. And so have we. So you have, <laughs> friends. Andrew is now a, a father four times over. That's right. Andrew, let's just start yeah. there. You had a baby. It was, you know, that's our big news uh, in heading into 2021. Um, had our fourth child. Um, everybody is doing well with baby and mother at home. There was one slight twist. A little glitch because, yeah, (laughs) you could call it a glitch. You just got to tell. You got to tell. So, uh, listeners, we um, conceived in Russia, and we were in Russia all year, 2020. Um, So we had three ultrasounds from week 15 to week 30 before we flew home to the States uh, this past December. Checking on the baby's health, making sure everything's good. Yeah, Yeah. you know, the standard stuff. And every ultrasound, we were told, it's a girl, 100%. Confirmed. It's a girl. Wonderful. And you guys guys were naming this child for how long? Because names don't come easily to you and your wife, right? That's right. It it took us about eight months to (laughs) settle on, on a name, first and middle name for this child. And lo and behold, the baby was born, and it was a boy. Ta-da! Oh, man. It was, it was this, like, moment we'll never forget in the delivery room. All the nurses, like, kind of held their breaths, and we eventually just dissolved into laughter about Russian ultrasounds and what have you. My um, goodness. But, yeah, that was, my wife said in the immediate aftermath, that was the shock of my life. I've never been so shocked in my life. But... We are thankful, and he's healthy, and we named him. We scrambled and miraculously did come up with a name before we left the hospital. That is um, truly miraculous. Kind of a thing in America. Um, (laughs) So uh, named him Isaac, and um, yeah, of course, in the Caucasus, you know, having a son, there's nothing better. So lots of rejoicing. So now you've got two girls and two boys. That's right. So balance yeah, so, is established. Well, congratulations. Even if, thank you. I was going to say, even if we didn't do anything related to the podcast the last two months, we were working hard having having a baby. That's right. Defying man. the ultrasound odds. <laughs> um, but we were working hard these last two months, In weren't fact, we, Eli? we were. We take the months off of releasing but not of recording. We've... Uh, actually have some new stuff in the pike. We mentioned this in the fall, and we have actually done it now. We have sent our first-ever Caucus Talk newsletter by MailChimp email. What is the newsletter? The newsletter is one more touchpoint between us and our devoted and loyal and energetic fan 
base, not fan listener base, not just so that, you know, it's not typical marketing. It's not a funnel. We don't really have a, you know, we're not selling you something. It's to keep in touch because we need, we need the contact with you guys. We get so much from our relationships and our conversations with our listeners. We can't do without it. And we want to keep that going. We want to keep our content, which is fresh and positive, in front of our listeners. And so we're starting very low bar, a quarterly email update, which is, you know, it's got a reflection in it, a couple, you know, post some comments. So it's real simple. And I think, I think it's a really nice addition to, to caucus talk. Yeah. Um, we've recorded a bunch of new, uh, episodes that are going to be released here in the coming months. And by the way, if you are not on our newsletter list, you can sign up on Facebook or our website. So the Facebook is really easy. When you go to the caucus talk Facebook page, there's a blue button that says sign up. And you click it, and it'll take you to our sign-up kind of splash page. And there you can also give continue to give feedback of comments, of suggestions. In fact, just I was looking over those, Andrew, because we did our survey last year, but we've yeah. had some more feedback on the newsletter sign-ups, and I don't think we've looked at those together. There was even a, a request for a deep dive into, <laughs> I think it was like standards of makeup and cosmetics and beauty in among caucuses women oh my yeah so that would go in the category of things that we never ever 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 would have thought of but is a great question so uh, so awesome things like that so we really value those so sign up there for our newsletter yeah um hey we've got a lot of fresh content interviews with local people coming out the next couple months this was such an awesome interview uh with three ladies uh from the north caucuses and not just ladies, three young women who are all Fulbright scholars. That means yeah. they all were given scholarship, they all traveled, and they have got in their back in the caucuses with pretty amazing ambitions. Yeah, really cream of the cop crop. So uh, let's uh, go ahead and uh, yeah. about this interview our first ever five-way interview <laughs> Andrew, our listeners are going to get tired of us telling them that each recording is a first ever <laughs> but it's just true i mean we do keep making history this is a, not only a five-way recording but this is a recording with three local scholars um student scholars and scholars which is really amazing i can't wait to hear more about them do you want to give us a little let's, intro, Andrew? Let's just introduce them and get right to it. So uh, without further ado, three Fulbright scholars from the North Caucasus, Zimfira, Amina, and Basira. Welcome to Woo! Caucus Talk. Welcome. So glad to have you. Thanks for having us. Ladies. Hello. Thank you. Thank there we you. go. Welcome. Yeah, don't be shy. Uh, so let's, let's start with some brief intros. Uh, I want to start with Zemfira because, uh, we've known you the longest Zemfira. Just tell us, tell our listeners brief intro. Who are you? Where are you from? Uh, and, uh, how did you actually get connected to us on caucus talk? Well, (laughs) the question is kind of short, but the answer is going to be kind of long. So, um, 
Uh, I'm from Karachai Circassian Republic, uh, from Ushuguta. It's a small town next to the capital of the republic. Uh, and I'm a teacher, English teacher. Uh, so, uh, and the last two years I spent in U.S. Uh, because I was chosen by Fulbright's uh, scholarship uh, to teach American students Russian. So it was yeah. great experience. Uh-huh. And while I was uh, while I, I was there, I uh, discovered suddenly your um, uh, podcast. Actually, not like I discovered. I uh, my cousin Samantha, who was actually was mentioned uh, once here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yes. Uh, she sent it to me. It's like. Because uh, I was looking different kind of resources to introduce um, uh, information to my Russian students, oh. uh, to my American students who was learning Russian. Because right. I, one of the, my um, duties was to be a cultural ambassador. So, um, uh-huh. and wow. I was looking different kind of resources, and she sent it to me saying that it might be something that you need. And she was. She probably saw one of our roadside billboards, Andrew. Um, <laughs> you know, on one of the interstates. Uh, I don't know oh, how she discovered it, but uh, it was great. And I listened. I think almost every episode. It was great. Wow. Yes. So wow. yeah, this is how I uh, discovered your podcast. So amazing! And uh, just to be clear, who Samantha is? Uh, this is your cousin, yeah, right? She's my cousin. Yeah. Lives in Moscow. She also found our podcast, and she's the one who designed our new logo of <gasps> That's her own initiative. Samantha. That's oh. Samantha. Wow. That's right. We've told you guys about her before, listeners, but she was the one who, without you know, without the uh, the least bit of harshness in her digital voice, sent us a text and said, <laughs> "You guys need a new logo." <laughs> and then sent us one. <laughs> yeah. And then we're like, oh, okay. I felt like a dad moment, Andrew. It felt like your kid's like, dad, you can't wear that shirt anymore. And you're like, really? I love this shirt. And like, oh. And get, they went, like, buy you new clothes. It's like, oh, well, all right. Um, but she took some input. And yeah, so I love our logo. Awesome. That's right. Yes. Um, so, Zimfira, we met probably, I don't know, a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. So uh, it's been great to stay connected to you. And then you told us uh, about your friends who are with us. So, yeah. uh, Amina, why don't, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Um, all right. So my name is Amina. I'm from Kabardina Balkarian Republic, uh, Nalchik town. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm also a Fulbright scholar. And uh, I spent just a year not like Zimfira, we were not fancy. Uh-huh. I just spent a year at Western Kentucky University doing the same, teaching Russian language and being a cultural ambassador. Wow. Um, definitely was the best experience ever. And um, I, re- I really have like big memories mm-hmm. about that year. Huh. It was pretty amazing. That sounds cool. That's awesome. I uh, know Western Kentucky because I'm a big basketball fan and I know that their mascot really? are the Hilltoppers. Yes. The Hilltoppers. <laughs> yeah. Like go Hilltoppers. <laughs> oh my goodness. And Western Kentucky versus Zemfira, you were in Portland. That could be not more opposite cultural experiences in the United States. Uh yeah, definitely. 
<laughs> yeah, there's a there's a podcast episode waiting to happen. That's awesome. So, Amina, you're from uh, Nalchik. Are you Kabardian? Yes, I'm Kabardian. nationality. Okay. And when you Great. guys became Fulbright scholars, did they connect you? Did they say? Okay, I'll tell you the story. All right, all right, let's hear so, um, when I was a Fulbrighter, when I it, it's I've been like I spent two or three months. It was winter time. And then suddenly I got a Facebook message by Basira uh-huh. and I was like, who is it? Like what she, what does she want from me? I was all like working, studying. And then she was like, I'm so happy that girls from Caucasus get these kind of scholarships, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> and then she told me that there's also another girl, girl from Caucasus from uh, Karachaya Cherkesia. That's her name is Zimfira. Like, do you know her? And I didn't know her. So she forced me yes. to become friends with Zimfira. <laughs> Thanks to Basira. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then we started talking to uh, with uh, Zimfira, and later we performed actually together uh, at the talent show during the mid conference, mid year conference in Washington D.C. Okay, oh. wait a minute. So yeah, time out. What did you perform? <laughs> We were dancing traditional Circassian or like traditional dancing. Lizginka. That's awesome. And no, 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 not Lizginka. It's called Kafa mm. because Lizginka is a bit faster. Yeah, yeah. Kafa is more noble and is a little bit slower. Would other people on the outside call it Lizginka? No, um, I don't know. If it's, I think it's Lizginka only if it's really fast. Okay, so is, is it Kafa? Sure. Yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about. It, yeah, I do too. Is it um, a partner dance with men? Yeah, it is, uh-huh. but we made it together. No, I totally so. can we, see we it in my mind's eye. Yeah, it's very slow. Yeah. Um, Kafa. Awesome. And where, and this was, so I'm in Washington, D.C., and from here. Yeah. When, when was it, where did you perform? Uh, it was in Marriott Hotel, right? Uh. Yeah. What, was it? There was a, Wait. it's a winter yeah, conference yeah. for Fulbright the, scholars. So there is a okay. 400 uh, Fulbright scholars coming from all the, the universities of US and there, cool. and there is a kind of cultural fair in the end. Mm-hmm. So um, every country has a chance to perform something. So, uh, so, and our performing was, our uh, performance with Amina was opening performance for the Russian uh, uh-huh. part. So, yeah. yeah. We would try. We just cool. try to show that we Russia is pretty diverse country. It has different kind yeah. of Good styles. For you. Dancing. Yeah. Wow. We didn't have that much time, though. We had just thirty seconds. Uh, yeah, but you. we managed. Yeah, to do but it. we had our nice. like national costumes and people. Oh, were, yeah, that's all yeah. Right. And people were pretty amazed. They were like, "Whoa, we didn't know something like this exists didn't in know. Russia." That's yeah. right. Yeah, they loved it. Andrew, if we were there, we could have just done an episode sitting on stage. I think people would say, wow, we never have heard anything like this. <laughs> and you would have had some guys to dance with you, too. There we go. <sighs> that would be great, <laughs> finally. All right. So that was a great introduction for Basira, the one who forced you to be friends. <laughs> yes, um, the matchmaker. Basira, tell us, uh, finally we hear from you. Uh, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, my name is Basira. I was born in Dagestan. I grew up in Mahachkala. Uh, I was a Fulbrighter in uh, 2017 in Lewis, and Clark, uh, in Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon. Uh-huh. So, and I also participated in that um, 
uh, conference. Excellent. Uh, like uh, Zinfira and Amina, and I danced uh, uh, Les Ginka. <laughs> that was <Whoa>. faster. <laughs> ah. And uh, I danced it with a guy. Uh, he was a Russian guy whom I learned how to dance Les Ginka. Uh-huh. Like. I was wondering about that if there were others to <laughs> dance with you. So, what is your um? Do, what's your particular narod? What's your partic- particular particular? Uh, uh, so background? I'm luck. I'm luck. I I'm wondered originally. About that. Uh, yeah, I'm Lak. I'm from central Dagestan, so I'm originally from village Shovkra. It's uh, more in the north, I think, mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. But Sita, I have a question, and I could be way off, but don't the Lak have dances that are just women sometimes with a lot of kind of fast footwork? I feel like I've seen Lak dancers where it's just a women's group, whereas in other people groups, oh, it's yeah. always, almost always the men and women together. Yes, we have uh, dances like this where only uh, women dance. Uh-huh. So, yeah. do they have a different name? <laughs> um, we call all the dances Lizginka uh-huh. in in Russian, but I I think Eli means maybe uh, Akushinsky. Maybe Pisu. I don't know Pisu. Something like this. Do do you, do you have Akushinsky? Uh, Akushinsky, yes, but it's uh, more, it's Dargini, oh. yeah, Dargini mm-hmm. ethnicity, Dargini version, so it's yeah. a bit different. Yes, but it's very similar. Avars, Darginis, Lags, they are very similar in um, in dances and many things. So this is great. Yes. I mean, this is cool because we have, we have Caucasus <laughs> ladies like talking among themselves about some of the <laughs> minutia. <laughs> anyway, I just think it's cool. Thank you for sharing that. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. Basira, all I know is the the lock hinkal is really tasty. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Bring <laughs> thank it back so down much. to the food, Andrew. That's about all I can add to that that conversation <laughs> right there. Um, so, ladies, can you just briefly? I actually don't know what is the origin of the Fulbright Scholarship, especially for our listeners. Is it some kind of cultural exchange? Uh, so William Fulbright uh, scholarship, uh, yeah, it's a scholarship that is originally for um, for teachers, I guess. It has different levels where you can like you can go and get masters, you can go and do some research. But the thing that we like three girls, the three of us got was a Fulbright foreign language teaching assistantship, like uh-huh. a scholarship, and. Um, I would say people keep saying that you have a chance to go and teach and so on. But I think it's mostly about cultural exchange and better mutual understanding mm-hmm. between countries. That's what I got. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Does it does it work both ways? Is it just bringing people to the United States or are they also sending? Yeah, they're uh, sending them to example, Russia US too, teachers. yeah, and uh, different parts. The world. Oh. It's, it's working all around the world. Uh, it's mm-hmm. originated in the yeah. U.S. and it was, yeah, uh, the founder is, uh, I think, Fulbright is the name of the senator. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. so uh, they launched it after, so after Second World War, there is what they, they decided that, so to kind of prevent this happening again, people have right. to understand each other better and to understand wow. each other better. You have to communicate, you have to make friends and uh, go and see how other people live in other countries. So this is, was something mm. like a base and then it grew up in something bigger like exchange and uh, academic work and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Andrew, maybe we need a, a Caucus Talk scholarship. 
That would be great. <laughs> that would be great. Give people twenty dollars to go try some food from their local Caucasus restaurant. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, Eli, we've we've made some big promises uh, while recording. Yeah. Uh, let, let's let's start at a low level here okay, and work level. our way up. <laughs> well, that's neat. Uh, obviously, it's a really. <laughs> noble and needed initiative um i mean we just that's our experience too you know even when we're home in the states people ask us you know about russia and about the caucasus and often what we talk about is our friends and the relationships we have because uh that's what enhances gives you the full experience um well that's great so you guys all uh taught english uh or taught russian uh in the u.s for a couple years you're back in russia now uh, tell us now, what are you doing? Uh, what are some of kind of your goals, hopes, ambitions, uh, moving forward? Uh, I came back this summer and, uh, I applied to master, uh, studies. Um, it's a, a bit different thing. It's not teaching. It's a uh, human mm-hmm. rights and democratization in the Caucasus. So, um, this is, but I, I, it's not like appear out of nowhere, this idea to go. It's actually influenced by these two years of living in uh, Portland, Oregon, which uh-huh. is famous for its uh, movements, <laughs> civil rights movements <laughs> and stuff. So, um, And uh, I've been there among all these people and participated in, and also vo- volunteered, by the way, there as an English teacher teaching to elderly immigrants. And that was... Wow. Um, Wow. Uh, something also that um, showed me that uh, civil rights um, places where civil rights are actually uh, uh, observed, uh, they're mm-hmm. act- they're better working and functioning. So um, hmm. oh. that's why this was something that inspired me to apply this to this program, and I'm doing it right now. And um, in the future, I really want to um, organize or to participate uh, of maybe even found uh, like an institution which will do, um, work with the human rights um, violations mm-hmm. here in the Caucasus. So what kind of reception do you get from family and friends when you share these interests and aspirations? Well, they still don't really understand. Till, uh, uh, well, yeah, it's something that, like, it's a problem. Here is there is a notion that human rights problems usually is the problems of the rich countries, but it's mm. N- mm. it's not. It's everywhere. It's not um, the thing that appears. It's only in the well. It appears everywhere, but people care only in the in the wealthy countries about the rights, but it's not true. Um, So I try to explain and um, try to somehow influence my, my dad's, for example, opinion. And he kind of supports me. (laughs) Uh, Uh I, he's not against, let's say like this. So, (laughs) and I take it as a support and it's already a lot (laughs) in the Caucasus if you are a girl. So, well said. Wow. So you're, are you, do I understand right? You're pursuing further education in that field? Yeah. Mm, I want to okay. 
pursue further education, like yeah. do my master thesis, and then mm-hmm. uh, maybe move to PhD. Cool. Good for you. Yeah. How about you, uh, Basira? I was teaching, and uh, just one year ago, I decided to have uh, my own online school, so where we can help students to find uh, teachers, professionals, and of course native speakers. So here, uh, the even kids who are who, who live in some. Uh, small villages in Dagestan, very far from Khachkala, they can uh, have classes with uh, good teachers and with native speakers. Uh, for, with um, they can have classes with American professors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it's really good. So I like to help people. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> is the focus mainly language learning, or are they professors of other topics also? No, um, now it's only language learning. Mm-hmm. We, we show them many interesting things. We speak about America and uh, the students, they really like it because, for example, we have small kids and they already have classes, classes with uh, an American teacher mm-hmm. and they can practice English. It's really good. Wow. <laughs> What's like the name it. of your school? It's, uh, it's Start Lingvas Online oh. School. Now, Andrew and I, well, Andrew had this idea and we polled our listeners, and there are actually many people who were interested in it, which is to for um, foreigners to learn North Caucasus languages. So maybe <laughs> in the future you can help us connect with speakers not only of Russian, but of some of the local right. Dagestani languages. Because oh, we had people who were interested in that, right, Andrew? Well, we've had several... Even since we made uh, Kabardian lessons available, there's a um, a professor in Turkey who teaches Kabardian language online on Zoom. We've several of our listeners have joined his group lessons, so people have already taken us up on it and are doing it. It's amazing. Amina, Amina just did a little dance there on the screen. Something I should consider. <laughs> so uh, actually, we have uh, prof- uh, teachers who can teach. Um, Dagestan languages too, but we don't Very have students cool. yet. <laughs> well, I'm looking for an online Russian teacher, just Russian, but it'd be nice to get someone in the Caucasus so we can talk after because... Basira, and I'm not making this up, probably within the last year, one of our listeners contacted us and yep. said, do you know anybody who could teach me the Avar language in American? <laughs> <laughs> So, like, there is interest, you know. I At mean, least one. <laughs> right. <laughs> so maybe we could start with this guy and then uh, go from there. <laughs> um, thanks for sharing that. And then, Amina, how about you? Oh, okay. So, um, when I came back, um, I was all, you know, emotional, excited about sharing everything that I've learned And uh, I decided to look again for a job as an English teacher because I quit from school before going to the United States. So um, I was mostly looking for a job at language centers. Mm -hmm. Like um, I just wanted to be based, like just teaching language, no paperwork, (sighs) no parents, just like work, work, work. (laughs) Uh, And at some point, you know, I just realized that I'm not so good at working with little kids. And I thought maybe 
I need some more experience. Because the experience I got in the United States, it was amazing, but it was mostly students. Right. And with little kids, you need something like something different, different approaches. And I decided to apply for a job in China. Wow. And I got a job. And I traveled to China. I went to Shanghai and spent five months there mm. as a science instructor. Uh, but so, yeah, I was in Shanghai and then there was a virus outbreak that like changed everything in this world. Mm. And the cities started to shut down. So I had to come back. Mm -hmm. And here I am now in Moscow. Ah, So are you in Moscow? Are you teaching English there or what are you doing? I'm teaching English online here. Uh -huh. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, we. Uh, I have a lot of friends actually who have also taught English in China as well from the Caucasus. Really? Yeah. There's like really? a, there's a like surge of them. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. From Caucasus? All over. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, All right. Well, I just think that it is really cool to hear what each of you are doing. I really commend you because I can imagine that, um, well, maybe I should turn it into a question. Um, do you, do you guys feel that there was a, a lot of expectation for you coming back, um, in, in one way or another from people? Did you feel pressure to perform? What was it like coming back from such an amazing Fulbright scholarship experience? We'll start with Basira. Well, I think people think that we are, of course, we are more educated uh, because uh, we used to uh, practice English abroad in uh, in America. So, and probably we are a better English teachers, maybe something like this, uh -huh. because we have because we have we lived there for one year, so it's a lot of practice, you know. Yeah. So maybe that's why some people would think, okay. <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> Can Amina, I go? Amina, yeah, you were laughing. Add, please. Um, all right. So I agree with Basira that uh, actually people start looking at you differently. Mm. They ask you like a lot of questions. Um, also, they expect you to come back rich. That's That's super funny. Because when yeah. they hear the word scholarship, which means stipendia, uh, it's yeah. all about money. So when you come huh. back, uh, they're like, why you're not rich? Because you like, spent it. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, maybe some people were saving money. I don't know. But I was traveling all around. Awesome. But yeah, Zimfira knows. So because <laughs> we've been traveling together. <laughs> I did, actually. I did. I'm really good at that. <laughs> So, yeah, but the good thing is, yeah, they start looking at you differently, which is good because that means that people appreciate your experience. Hmm. How about for you, Zemfira? Um, well, I totally agree with girls uh, uh, about both points that they expect you knowing English perfectly now and also, um, yeah, that they really expect you that you are actually knowing English now like a native speaker, but it's not true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and second, that they expect you being rich is also not true. Uh, yes, um, the expectations, you're pretty high. Uh, and um, 
Yeah, so coming back when I decided to kind of change um, the field and change my yes oh, a career uh, path, uh, people didn't really understand why I'm uh. doing it because I spent the like I've been there two years and I was teaching there, so like logically I had to continue doing this if I probably supposedly good at it and um, and. That's why it was hard to kind of change people's opinion here. Mm-hmm. So this is was hard, but also, yeah, they expect you to continue of doing um, right your thing, teaching. Sure, I, I could see that. Like, there's a big investment there. Yeah, but of course, that's how all, a lot of education is. It doesn't lead in a straight line always. You don't know what you're being prepared for, and the world's always changing. So you're kind of preparing yourself for the unexpected in some ways. So how about in the other direction, coming back, what were some of your, what did you appreciate more about your home culture after being gone for a few years? Food. Say more. (laughs) Which food and... Uh. Oh, hichini, shashliki. No Yeah, that's kind of yeah. But you tell me you couldn't okay, get good shashlik in the U.S. I I never tried. Like I wasn't even looking for it. Right. You can actually if you go to L.A. where Armenian people are. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can find uh. it somewhere there. You know what? We ordered shashlik at my house um, last night. Really? From mm. where? Probably a, like a Middle Eastern. Yep, like restaurant. a local Middle Eastern restaurant, yeah. and they have halal they, food. They have shashlik. It's sort of general, you know. It's and it wasn't like Kafka's. Shashlik. I still do believe that it's not the same. It's true. Like if you, <laughs> you've got if to something cook makes it me, yeah, you've got mountains. to cook it like here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's yes. a perfect response. Yeah. Um, what okay, else? Okay. What also? Okay, I'll be honest. Uh, the thing that I appreciated is the thing is that I'm very talkative and I talk a lot. Yeah, you've noticed that already. <laughs> and the thing that I appreciate is you can say anything you want without being afraid to offend someone. Because uh. when you're in the United States, there are so many people from different cultures, religions, from di- with different backgrounds. And you may accidentally, even if you don't mean it, wow. say something. And it's super, it's so hard because you don't actually mean it. You just want to make a stupid joke. But Tell no. me about it. You're talking my language <laughs> Next, right now. <laughs> Mina, I'm all over that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's hard. So I appreciate that. Like a free talk. I can do it now. See, so, that's yeah. really interesting. Andrew, I don't know what you think. My hunch is that many of our listeners were wondering which side you were talking about when you started that comment. <laughs> Is she free to talk? I, I, I bet many Americans assumed you were saying you were free to say whatever you want in the U.S. because it's a land of freedom, free speech, individual, blah, blah, blah. But it's no, t- I'm, I'm talking you're about experiencing the opposite. <laughs> you're saying you're free to be yourself yeah. and speak freely yeah. at home. Yeah. That's pretty fascinating. That's well, it's, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with you. There's the level of political correctness in America continues to... I know, it's crazy. Increase, yes. increase. And we often, like, when our friends in America ask us about the Caucasus, one thing we tell them is, you know, 
You don't really have to have any kind of filter. <laughs> you can just you can say what you think, and you can have conversations about stuff, and people won't get offended. You know, it's a yeah. two way street. That's um, true. Yeah. Unless you are saying that your nation is actually more ancient. Oh yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> which is the more ancient Just nation? So which is there. the more? Oh no, no, we won't. We won't. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. How about you, Zephyr? Yeah. What was something that you appreciated coming uh, back? Well, first of all, again, food. <laughs> food, food again, food. Um, yeah. The uh, in my case, I was really missing day food. Um, Iran, first of all, is something that I can't live. I can't live without it. It's, wow! All right, we have to pause. I need, we have to pause yes. because most listeners think you're you're talking about the country, Iran, and no. <laughs> that's not what she's talking about. An English speaker probably hears Iran. So thinks, tasty. Yeah, yeah, not that. Can you describe what Iran is? So Iran is a dairy product. Uh, it's similar to yogurt, but it's more liquidy and sour i would say yeah um but yeah it's something that i every here in the courage kids, and i think like all, most all around the caucasus yeah. we uh, all have some kind of um dairy product that is similar to iran right and uh we we grow up with it and i actually have it it's with almost every meal oh. so um wow <laughs> and being, that was one of the learning the other... curves for my wife and me before you go on. <laughs> I mean, we'd heard of kefir, which some people call kefir in the U.S., which sort of makes oh. my skin crawl. So kefir, <laughs> and most people buy it. If you look on it, it's got about as much sugar as, as, a, as a Coke, you know, the, the flavored ones in the U.S. Because people don't like oh, the tangy yogurt, but it's like a, a drinkable yogurt. But So we get there, and there's kefir. We're like, oh, yeah, we know kefir, and it's, you know, not sweet at all. It's just the tangy. But then next to it is Iran. We're like, what's this? And then there's what, like matzon or something, and then there's something. They're like, oh, yeah. And they all are, you know, slight. So we buy them all. (laughs) We get these big jars of each one to get them home, and we can we can barely tell the difference. We're like, that's sort of also sour. But we gradually began to appreciate, and Iran was pretty much our favorite. Uh, Yeah, I I I don't like kefir. Honestly, Mm -hmm. to me, it's just tasteless. Sorry, but yeah, uh, I no offense here. No offense, please, but Iran is the best. And I, I actually like Matsoni too. It's actually super cool, but for me, it's too thick. Yeah. So Iran is something that you can eat, drink, and you can do it more liquidy. So you can do it sauce from it. So it's just mm. uh, unique and uh, something that I really miss in the U.S. Um, also, yeah, meat, good meat. Good lamb. Mm-hmm. Lamb. I've never tried good lamb in the US. Yeah. This yeah. is, Sorry, I mean, okay, first of all, I didn't really probably try a lot, but then I, I've never tried the good one. Sure. Well, and it's expensive yes. to get nice lamb. It's like yeah. a luxury food here. Well, it's very yes. rare to probably, find a yes. lamb dish in a <laughs> restaurant too. Yeah. yeah uh, but I've tried uh, something that I've never tried in my life, like a, Thanksgiving turkey with a cranberry sauce. Oh yeah! <laughs> yeah. Now you're talking. <laughs> this is was this is one of my cultural shocks. Like <gasps> eating meat with a sweet sauce, yeah. Yeah, sweet which sauce. is made from the cranberry. Right. And I was like, 
what seriously uh, but it turned out to be quite good <laughs> <laughs> so other than iran was there anything else uh, um, uh, that you yeah really so oh <laughs> uh except for food um something that i started to appreciate is that uh people don't say things just to say just to be nice at home so uh, for example i noticed that american people are very friendly open and um they often say things like well we have to get together and do something like let's do something one day like let's and um but then it never happens mm-hmm. so it's um and at home it's well you never say if you you're not uh meaning mm-hmm. to do it so it's uh something that i I noticed it's not like really affected me, but then mm-hmm. I I started to appreciate that at home we don't really say something that we don't mean to do. Um, okay, I have to ask: Were you waiting actually for some invitation and you never got it, or what? No, <laughs> what was there? Uh, I mean, it's just something that I I noticed people saying a lot in the end of conversations that okay. uh, let's get together. Uh, Let's get ah, together and yeah, like do something. Let's go somewhere. Yeah. And um, and I would just, at the beginning, I actually expected people like messaging <laughs> back or calling back and inviting me somewhere. But then oh. I just realized that, okay, it's not going to happen because it's just the way people Talk. are showing their friendliness. Right. So Guilty. Um, Guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But, yeah. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, how about you, Basira? Well, we spoke about food. Uh, we s- so I missed uh, tea. Yes. So Zephyr, do you remember you when you were in Dagestan? I remember Zephyr, she, she wanted to drink some Iran. And I was surprised, Iran, because we, we don't drink Iran uh-huh. here in Dagestan. We drink tea a lot. So she was drinking tea at, my, at, at home with me. But then when we went to the park, do you remember she was drinking tea in the park? So I think, so this is how it is in Dagestan. Uh, it's like in Azerbaijan, you know, here we also drink tea a lot and yeah. usually um we yes i think we drink tea a lot so in america um, mm-hmm. for sure yeah <laughs> yes and of course uh, l- lamb yes mm-hmm. the meat is uh, very tasty in the north caucasus so, yeah and I also missed, I think, dances and, you know, some parties with national music. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, there, I mean, that's a great point to hit on. There's such a different kind of culture of dance, everything that's involved. Yes, it's yeah. absolutely true. I remember I was, um, um, uh, we had, a, I, I was giving a lecture to American students and I showed them. Uh, on the screen, the dances, uh, Lizginka, and they were surprised and they asked me, so he's, the, the music is so fast. So the, the music in the Eastern Caucasus is very fast. In Dagestan, in Chechnya, it's faster so than in the West Caucasus, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, it's very fast and um, the men, they dance very 
fast. So, but women, they are, they dance in so slow, and they they ask me why. <laughs> so the music is fast. The men dance uh-huh. very fast. So why the why women are so slow? And I explain them that it's a cultural thing. So, so <laughs> uh, women. Great are, question. The, uh, the traditional, they are, I think, less active. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Obedient, I don't know. <laughs> wrong, wrong group to talk to that about here, Basira. Skromnaya, <laughs> maybe. Or what's, what's the right Yes, adjective? modest. Yes, modest, so. okay, yeah. Modest. I don't know. So uh, I don't know if you ladies know this. Eli, I'm thinking right now of episode seven. Uh, we just called it Meat and Tea. That's right. Shashlik and Chai. And we were trying to explain to our listeners like how much meat and tea are just a- embedded in everyday life here in the North Caucasus. And you guys just nailed it. I mean, the things you missed... <laughs> We're sh- shashlik and chai. <laughs> oh, and yogurt. We got we had to put yogurt in there. Iran. You know, that's so funny. My mom often tells me how she just always wants to go eat meat and tea. She's listened to that episode several times and comes out like, I just want meat and tea. But, you know, Andrew, you told me something once. I don't know if it made it onto the podcast. I don't remember who you were talking to, but a lot of people express curiosity and interest in America and ask us what's it like and da-da-da. And sometimes romanticize it. And you were trying to bring these guys back down to earth. And you said something like, you know what, guys? Students like your age, they don't even get together and drink tea. And you told me this guy's face just fell. And after a moment, he said, I don't want to go to America anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Pop the bubble. It was over. (laughs) Yeah, those guys mean a lot. Man, Gosh. that's funny. Uh, food is so universal. I, like when I'm in the Caucasus, of course I'm missing the kind of foods we eat here in America. My wife and I are always talking about, oh, we wish we could have Mexican food right now. But when we're here in the States, we're like, oh, we haven't had shashlik, good lamb shashlik in <laughs> so right. long. That's um, right. Yeah. Yeah, when our first yeah. visit back, we actually went out into my parents' yard and dug a little hole and burned some wood. And we're like, we have to do this the right way. We can't just go over the gas grill because it won't be the same. And so we're out like in the woods, like making shashlik there. My parents are like, what are you, what are you doing? And it was like, guys. Anyway, they love the dinner, needless to say. All right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Gosh, so it came out really? right? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? We even did like the, like this mayonnaise thing that our friend in Nalchik did on mushrooms, big mushrooms with like a mayonnaise and tomato paste, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, it's good. <laughs> Gosh, so, you're really Caucasian now. <laughs> I would lo- love to know from you three. Uh, actually, some of the feedback we've heard from our listeners is tell us more about the North Caucasus today. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about history, how it mm-hmm. used to be, you know, the things in the culture that have endured over centuries. Uh, but, you know, people ask us, what is it actually like today? Um, you know, you guys have traveled the last couple of years. You've seen different things. What are what can you talk about today in the North Caucasus? Like maybe things that would surprise our listeners, maybe have even surprised you. 
mm-hmm. are some like positive trends or, or things you see happening in the region, either at a macro larger level or maybe at a micro level between mm-hmm. people? Great question. Uh, well, um, I will probably start. Uh, so, because um, I'm a future human rights defender, I try to notice things that uh, go um, uh, not only wrong way, but also right way. Mm-hmm. So I, I noticed the last year's uh, women are driving more hmm. uh, here in the North Caucasus. And traditionally, so North Caucasus is more conservative. And um, so usually men were driving. So, and now we see more and more women, young women driving. And it's, um, uh, it's not a, it's on, it's not only about driving, but they're also going more in a like business. They're opening their own businesses. Um, it's quite small ones sometimes, but like they're pretty sufficient and it's cool. It's great. It makes them, um, independent. And also it's actually, help uh development of the region so mm-hmm. i see it's a great sign and i hope it's good they're gonna keep going go yeah. forward women of caucasus that's fantastic <laughs> and naturally because more women are driving the roads are probably safer in the North Caucasus. <laughs> <laughs> Come 100 <100%. laughs> cool amina what about you okay. Um, all right, so uh, I'm going to talk about younger generation because that's basically what the cluster of I've been observing. So um, the thing that I loved is that the younger generation, and by that I mean students, high school students, and even kids, uh, they are more independent nowadays. They are more, they're confident. They're not afraid of trying new things. Mm. They are super active and uh, they are really much more mature than I am in their age. Mm -hmm. When I was 16, like me, 16 years old me and 16 years old high schools right now, completely different things. Hmm. They're trying new things. They're always doing something. They're learning something. And at some point, some of them already know what they want to do in their life, which is pretty amazing. And um, a lot of people are more involved in professional development. They're trying to learn uh, different languages. Uh, I've seen a lot of bloggers organizing like uh, clubs, book clubs, or um, traditional clothes, like selling things, a Mm -hmm. lot cooking, a hobby, like a lot of things. Cool. And about the older generation, I've noticed that they are becoming more modern as well. Mm-hmm. They're trying to give um, young people more freedom, but they're trying to keep traditions at the same time as well. But I guess they're trying to keep the best things. And sure. they're keeping like pace with the time, trying to understand how the world works nowadays. And I think it's good. I think it's going to help Caucasus to develop more and faster. That's really neat. Um, I'm actually a part of a, it's a entrepreneurial society in the Caucasus, uh, mostly folks in their twenties and thirties and kind of what you were saying, Amina made me think of these guys, uh, men and women and just co-getters. They started their own businesses 
Uh, they're really committed to professional development, personal development, uh, how to learn from each other, making the best of new technologies. And probably when people think of the North Caucasus, that's not what they're thinking about. Right. You know? But like this is happening across the region. Um, really, people are learning from each other and there's that kind of growth, bottom-up growth, you know, happening. Yes. So I, I yeah, totally I'd love that. to be a part of it. Andrew, I'm really well, happy about it. That's very cool. Or any of you, have you heard of a guy named Brian Tracy? He's like been around forever and he's this like business guru guy. I had a like a set of his cassettes or, or you know, in college or high school about learning. And anyway, they, they, he, like, he came to Mahachkala. Some guys brought him, you know, to do this big business uh, seminar. I mean, I saw his name, I just about fell over because I'm last place on earth I expected to see it. <laughs> but it's that go-getter mentality. You know, I don't know all the details, obviously, but it's like, here's a guy. He's been training business professionals all around the world. Let's just bring him. And they did. Yeah. Whoa. Good for, props to Brian Tracy for not being afraid to go to Mahatchkala <laughs> and do some business training. Uh, uh, this respect. is Brian Tracy, yeah. your first, hopefully not your last shout out from Caucus Talk. So there it is. <laughs> Whatever whatever assistant planned that for him and made it happen. Way to go. <laughs> we salute you. That's awesome. All right, speaking of Mahachkala, Basira, how about you? Well, I would like to speak about tourism, and I think uh, it's really good because I remember 10 years ago, we didn't have so many travel uh, companies here in Dagestan who can who can take you to uh, different villages and uh, you can travel easily, just you know, it wasn't that easy. But now we have so many uh, companies mm. and you can visit uh, Kubachi, Balhar, you can go to Derbent, so you don't need a car. And uh, I remember when Zafira came to Dagestan, she also traveled <laughs> to different places, to yeah. Gunip. Uh, so in the past it, was, past, it was a bit difficult. And I see that there are so many uh, tourists uh, from uh, other Russian towns who come to Dagestan, mm -hmm. who they are so happy. They're, you know, they just, they're surprised how, uh, so that the weather and the nature here is yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's easier to travel here. So in even it's easier to travel to other republics in the North Caucasus, for example, you can go to Dubai, you mm -hmm. can go to Georgia, Azerbaijan. There are many uh, tours that we have yes. now. And um, in the past, it wasn't that easy. You had to go by yourself sure. or, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so you said Zemfira came and traveled there and went to some of these, these kind of uh, well-known towns. <clears throat> Having, in, in getting to know one another and becoming friends and visiting each other's places. How has this changed your view of your own place of, of each other's nationalities and the Caucasus as a whole? I mean, are, were there similarities that you were surprised to find and differences among yourselves? Oh, well, this is, I haven't traveled <laughs> neither to Dagestan nor yeah. to Turkish, but oh, yes. I still think we're that still we're still planning pretty, it. We're still yeah. planning <laughs> it. But I really think that we are much more alike uh -huh. than we think we are. Okay. I don't see like crucial differences uh -huh. like, whoa, I didn't know that. Right. Nothing like that. Oh, those Karachai we're, we're, girls. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I mean, yeah. I travel to many republics in the North Caucasus, and I can definitely say that it's uh, the East and West, they are different. Uh, the music is different, as we have already mentioned. Uh, the music is uh, faster in the Eastern Caucasus. So, um, but I think that uh, the Western Caucasus, they had more cultural exchanges mm -hmm. with the Byzantine Empire, then later with Ottoman Empire. Ah. And as for ours, Dagestanis, uh, we had more exchanges with the Persian Empire. Right. So because we are near uh, Caspian Sea and mm -hmm. uh, the Western Caucasus <laughs> near Black Sea, mm -hmm. so it's a bit different. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, first of all, you put it very delicately. Cultural exchanges with these different empires. Um, very, uh, very American of you. Well said. Um, is going really deep. <laughs> well, but that's what that, happens. I mean, think about that. Actually, that totally different influences from different parts of the world. That makes sense that there would be some differences between, say, Dagestan and Karachachakissia. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, uh, I I just want to add to the things that Gil said, that yes, we have probably more similarities than differences. But yeah, so we all, all the ethnicities on the North Caucasus are pretty unique in like their yeah. languages and they have like different kinds of like adats, mm -hmm. uh, so this uh, like or codex mm -hmm. they have. Um, so, um, but then we all have the same Caucasian base. Mm. And something that unites us. So I, I would love to say that um, I would love to actually address all my Caucasian uh, young uh, people mm -hmm. uh, to um, embrace our uniqueness, but focus on the things that unite us mm. and um, be curious about each other. Because I've learned so many things from Amina and Basira. And there, I, I visited both places, uh, Kabardina, Balkaria, and Dagestan, and I was so amazed. I've learned so many things and um, tried different stuff. And um, um, it's it was so many different, like, details that I've never uh, knew, like, even including food, because we kind of used to think that we all live in a pretty close to each other and we have similar food. But then it's it's different. <laughs> like uh, right. I was, I, I've tried this apricot porridge. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, and I was amazed. It was it's one of the best things I've ever tried in my life. I was like, Come and I've been living on a, in the North Caucasus all my life, and I didn't know this thing exists. So, um, and um, it's it's so beautiful. And every part of the North Caucasus has uh, this unique things, but also we are pretty uh, similar to each other. So I would love to encourage um, uh, not only foreigners, but uh, also people who live in the North Caucasus to, to try um, to explore and neighbors, uh, neighbor republics and uh, to know each other because we can all benefit from it. Mm. Peace. That was extremely well said. Sorry uh, for this TED talk. Zimbira, that was, man, preach it, sister. Yeah, um, right. 
embrace your uniqueness, but explore. Focus. Uh, focus on what focus, unites. Focus on the things that unite you. That was extremely well said. That's a very, um, I think, a very timely message for a lot of parts of the world. Yeah. Amina, can you elaborate on this? I, I think it'll be similar to what Zimfira said, but you said in the beginning uh, of our talk, the way you met uh, these ladies was Basira emailed you and said, hey, yeah. I'm from Dagestan. I, I didn't know there were other Fulbright uh, scholars from the Caucasus. So uh, like for you hearing, oh, there's other girls from the Kafkaz in the mm -hmm. States. What in your mind did that like, what emotions did it evoke? Uh, it, it sounds like for you, even though you were really from different places, Kabardino-Bolkari and Dagestan, you were like, you know, it wasn't from Russia. We're from the Kafkaz. That was like a commonality. Can you speak to that? Um, all right. So the first emotion that I had, I remember I was in my office in the cubicle. My heart started beating faster. Like somebody else is here, you know? That's wow. true. Because, you know, um, every time people were asking, like, where, where are you from? I was like, I'm from Russia. And they were like, oh, you don't look like Russian. And I was like, oh, I'm not, you know? <laughs> and, and then there's a long conversation about Caucasus. Uh... And I remember I had to pull up Google Maps probably a thousand times during that year <laughs> to show where Nalchik is, where Caucasus is. And people were fascinated because nobody knows about it. Isn't that crazy? They know about Karabakh. I didn't know that word. Somebody, some Polish professor told me, are you from Karabakh? And I was like, oh what, what is that? Wow. So uh, first of all, I was super proud. I was very excited that huh. somebody else from Caucasus got this scholarship. I'm not alone. So, and, uh, you know, I, when I came back, I kept encouraging people to apply for this scholarship. And actually one more girl got it this year, Awesome! although she's doing it online mm. because of the virus, but yeah, the more people get it, the prouder we'll be. I wish our listeners could see our video chat because there's just kind of a lot of shining eyes. At this moment, a lot of smiles, as there should be. I'm sorry, I'm very emotional. I thought wow. Zinfira told you. A very cool thing. Wow. That's I'm taking really a lot cool. of I'm screenshots. Glad, I'm glad, Amina, that I'm glad that I make uh, your heart beat faster. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You never. Thank you, Busira, for that. <laughs> you know, I was very happy to know that uh, the girls from the Caucasus uh, uh, get this scholarship because it's difficult for us. You know, it's um, uh, it's a very conservative uh, society mm -hmm. here, and uh, uh, for girls, sometimes it's difficult even to go to to, to apply for overseas programs. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, yes, so we. Yeah, well, I was really happy to know mm -hmm. that uh, the girls from the North Caucasus uh, visit. You know, I, I also looked at the names of uh, previous Fulbrighters, uh, and I couldn't see many uh, people. So they write the name in their town where the Fulbrighter come, comes. And uh, I didn't see many people from the North Caucasus, mostly yeah. uh, even some Siberia. There are a lot of people from Siberia, there are a lot of, of Moscow, even Petigorsk. There are many, yeah, yes, true. Petigorsk, uh, Novosibirsk, mm -hmm. Kazan, uh, St. Petersburg, of course. But yeah, so, and I think now 
there are more and more food writers in America from the North Caucasus. Wow. A trend we hope that's, continues. Yeah, that's so awesome. Uh, I have to share this story. This happened. Uh, I totally relate to you guys about how in America you try to explain the Caucasus to people and you just get blank stares. And because this happens to Eli and myself as well. And uh, the last time we were uh, in the States, which was uh, about two years ago, uh, my wife was checking out some books from a local library here in our small town in North Carolina. And uh, the librarian, this uh, gentleman, was friendly and talking to them. And he found out that we lived in Russia. And you usually, usually just say Russia, just like you, Amina, because it's a long story. And yeah. um, he was like, well, oh, really? What part of Russia? And she said, oh, you know, southern Russia. And he said, really? What part? She said, well, it's um, the Caucasus Mountains. It's near Dagestan. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. And he said, I've been to Dagestan. <laughs> really? And oh, she gosh. was like, just stopped her in her tracks. What? And he, you know, he's this like 35 year old man, but in his childhood, he had, was a wrestler and his parents took him to a wrestling tournament in the 1990s. In oh, Dagestan. oh my God. <laughs> and you can imagine the shock. I mean, my wife just stared at him and like half wants to hug him because he actually can relate to us, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, Can and he had a great ex- he had a great experience. Um, and but yeah, it's it. We had that level of shock. I'm sure her heart started beating faster too. You know, like <laughs> wow, I he actually knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah, so I really would love to continue this conversation for hours, but <laughs> for the for the sake of everyone's time. Uh, we probably need to start wrapping it up. Uh, we ask all of our guests this one question, and uh, I'm pumped to hear your answers. But uh, And you guys have lots of practice with this because you have been telling lots of people about the North Caucasus for the first time. But if you could sum down some of the North Caucasus uh, to one thing, what what would you like to tell the world about the North Caucasus? <laughs> Okay, this is a hard um, question. It's, it's, North Caucasus is unique, diverse, and beautiful. Mm. And you just have to come and see. Nothing can sh- explain it to what is it. You just have to and see it. And taste. You have to come and see. And taste. <laughs> yeah. Don't miss Iran. Don't miss Iran. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Amira. I'm still thinking. Uh, I can't think of anything. It's too much. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Basira can go and give you some more. I would like to say that uh, the Caucasus, it's the place uh, where the, the East meets the West mm-hmm. and where the, uh, the Middle East meets, the, meets Europe, mm-hmm. you know, because it's something... Uh, it's a. This is the place that has so many different things. It's uh, culturally very diverse. Great observation. I think Derbent, especially in Dagestan, Basira, yeah. really embodies that. Derbent is so unique. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's absolutely true. All right. So I will just co- compare it to food. Let's say Russia is the cake and Caucasus is the cherry on the top. 
<laughs> something you really have to taste. Yeah. Wow. Because it's a unique mm -hmm. uh, area of Russia. Right. When you travel, well, Russia has a lot of uh, nationalities as well. But if you go to North Caucasus, you're going to be just done. It's amazing. You, mm. you really have to come and see and experience it. I mean, cherry on the top, that's like the first thing you eat off the cake. So that, what you're telling. That's right. What you're saying. I, I was mean, I, telling that if you're going. To North Caucasus. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. because if you travel around Russia and then you go to North Caucasus, you won't have that much energy. It takes, you need energy. You need energy, stamina. It. Yeah. It's kind of like traveling from Western Kentucky to Portland. I mean, that Ooh. is a long trip. And there's a lot yeah. of changes that happen. Which one takes more energy? I don't know. I don't know. It depends. <laughs> you know, it really depends. Ladies, awesome to talk with you all. And congratulations on your probably fairly historic accomplishments of, of your scholarships. And um, we're just going to track with you and keep in touch because what you guys are trying to do is really going to make a huge impact where you are and I, I think so. in the world. Um, yeah. and thank you for I having actually, us. Thank you for having us too. But I w actually want to um, thank you both for doing this thing for this world, actually, and um, enlightening this world about North Caucasus. It's a great thing. Um, and That's you uh, encouraging not only foreigners, English-speaking uh, people coming and see, and also us go and explore, because partially you encouraged me and inspired me to go to Dagestan and explore oh, it. Awesome. So... Um, Thanks a lot for doing this and keep doing it, please. <laughs> Man, Zimfira, it's kind of like, it's like you said earlier, to all my Caucasus young people out there. <laughs> That's right. Travel the Caucasus. <laughs> I think I learned this phrase, or something like that. Yeah. Like, it's work, it's soul work. You know, we're doing yeah. this from the heart. Thank and you. We, and we can feel it. We can feel it. Listeners, you'll feel it too. You'll smell it. You'll <laughs> taste it when you uh, finally do the deed and just you know get yourselves over here. So we wanted to encourage you if if just buying the plane ticket is not going to be your next step, interact with us on our Facebook page. Um, you can come check us out on our website where you can listen to any episode anytime, night or day. Andrew. We just talked about this. We are going to, um, if we, uh, I'm not sure when this episode is going to come out, but <laughs> we're going to be in initiating a uh, a club. You know, it's like an order, sort of like knighthood for people who um, have listened to every episode of of caucus. I, th I think we're going to give yes. them a, a like. Maybe we already talked about this, like a badge or. Um, and maybe an ice pack for their head or something, but um, some way of acknowledging this incredible feat. But even if you haven't, please check us out. We love hearing from our listeners. It makes all the difference in the world. That's awesome. I think Zemfira should be our honorary first guest because she has yeah. listened to all. Yeah, the she she has. So first I, I member think yeah. the, of the order. I, I want to be a knight of the North. The knight of the North. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Can a girl Please. be a Jagit? I don't think so, right? We're gonna order the Jagit. I don't think so. We'll have to come up with something. We'll get uh, we'll get Samantha to help us brand this. Oh, and, uh, speaking of oh, yeah. get a logo. <laughs> well, that would be great, actually. <laughs> Listeners, you're not gonna be able to participate in this, but I'm oh. gonna I'm gonna go ahead and reenact our logo here. I'm putting on my papaha and I'm gonna put my <laughs> headphones over top of it. Here we go. Somebody please get a screenshot of this. Uh, okay, I'll get it. I'm I, I don't have myself on my screen, but um, I can put it on. <laughs> All right, I think we got to land the plane here. Oh, maybe we'll post this um, uh, in, the, in the show notes. But uh, Eli, listeners... You look, like, you look like Habib with headphones, just a little skinnier <laughs> version. Little, just a little skinnier. All right. Oh, they're, they're taking pictures. Their phones are up. <laughs> Girls, thanks this again awesome. so much. And listeners... We will see you when you get here.